Morning Bucks fans, it is time for Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with Scott Smith. And as always, this is where we take your questions, everything you want to talk about with your Buccaneers. And we know we are getting closer and closer to the draft. We are getting closer to essentially having free agency almost wrapped up, maybe. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it, I will, I love a free agency. There's not really this, you know, date that we're like, yeah, we're done. But it feels like we've at least gotten a lot more information now, a lot to talk about. So I'm sure you guys have plenty of questions. You can submit those under our live video on Facebook in the comment section for me to be able to find them. And as we give people a chance to do that, I figured we'd start with the news that we have brought back in Dominican Sue. And uh, I know it also feels a little bit longer ago, but Leonard Fournette had not technically been signed by our last one of these shows. So we didn't get to dive into it tons. So I figured we'd start with both of those and, and just your initial thoughts on, on both of those signings. Well, the, the great phrase right now is all 22. Yeah. The Buccaneers are the first team since 1977 to bring back all 22 of their starters. I mean, the first Super Bowl champion since 1977 to bring back all their starters from that Super Bowl. And, you know, you can judge that either way. Are we talking about the starters that were there on day one last year or the starters in the Super Bowl? Because it wasn't the exact same lineup. But in either case, the answer is yes. So everybody is back, including most of the key reserves as well. So um, it's, it's, it's exciting and it's a little hard to believe that that Jason Lydon and Mike Greenberg and Jackie Davidson and everybody were able to get it all done because back when Bruce Arians was telling everybody at the boat parade that, that they weren't going anywhere, so to speak, uh, it sounded good, but it also sounded like, well, that's a lot of promises. It's going to be hard to keep but They managed to do it. And I think it probably comes down a little bit um, of the bond. They keep talking about how closely knit this team is. And that's easy to say after you've had a successful season that helps build that bond, but everybody tends, seems to think that this has a particularly tightly knit team and, and you know because usually you see one or two guys when you win a championship obviously that's a big incentive to come back and try to do it again but you also get that bit of a Super Bowl bounce if you're a free agent like hey this is my chance I'm high profile right now this is my chance to go get a big contract somewhere so um, that generally happens with one or two players on any championship team and the fact that it didn't with the Buccaneers is almost amazing yeah I completely agree uh and in terms of like we talked about free agency not technically being done, even though we did bring back all those starters, one person that we keep getting lots of questions about, of course, is Antonio Brown. So what do you think the odds are of bringing him back? And if we didn't bring him back, what would that mean? Just kind of the, the larger implications of his role on the team or not on the team? Yeah, it would make sense that the news is and all the rumors and the reports now are focused on Antonio Brown, because he's really the only significant contributor that has not, that is not under contract now. So um, it makes sense to keep asking about that and all the reports I see, um, you know, and the things that we hear that it's not particularly close. So that sounds like a team that would, you know, the Buccaneers quite frankly have been scraping up against the top of the cap during all of this process. So they probably are in a position where they can't really break the bank and maybe on the other side, the, the player is looking for a specific number. And, and if they're not there, then it, then he's going to keep looking for the Bucks and elsewhere. We'll see what happens with that. But um, it's hard to get too upset about possibly not getting one of all those guys back when you got all of them back. I mean, you know, you really can't complain at this point. Yes. yes. And if there's into the rest of your question, if you don't have AB, which was the case for the first half of the season last year anyway, you just probably see more of Scotty Miller and probably development of Tyler Johnson. And, you know, I think some Buck fans would probably be excited about seeing more of those guys. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, all right. I love this question. Mike said, do you think the league will keep the IR rules from last year? It seemed to help a lot of teams, especially in the playoffs. I know that the play, the teams want it. That's for sure. Absolutely. And that is a very good question. And I hope that they do. Um, if anybody doesn't know the history of this, that used to be the way injured reserve was. You could put guys, you could put any number of guys on and bring them back off. Uh, the problem, the reason they finally changed that and made injured reserve, um, you know, once you went on it final for the season was that there were teams that kind of uh, played a little fast and loose with that. And it was, it was a way to stash some players, some extra players that you didn't have room for just, oh, he's, you know, his, his, his knees acting up a little bit for three weeks and then he's back when you need him. Uh, but then after years and years of realizing that, the, you know, once you're on IR, you're finished was a little too restrictive. They started to, to chip away at it a little bit, giving you those options of you could have one guy that you brought back from injury as long as he was there for eight weeks. And then they made it two and then they made it three. And then, of course, last year, driven by the pandemic and, and trying to give teams roster flexibility, they they did the thing where you could bring back an unlimited number of guys. And I think they only had to be on there for three weeks, if I remember correctly. Um, I think that's the, where we are as a league now, you know, I don't think you need to worry about teams going back and, and, you know, stashing players with that. I think legitimately you need that option and it really does help with flexibility. I mean, it certainly worked out for the Buccaneers that when Vita Vea surprisingly was able to come back, we were able to bring him back. So I'm in favor of it. I think if not exactly the same rules, at least more in that direction of being more flexible will be the case going forward. Yeah, I agree. And I think especially with now there being the 17 game season, yeah, that, that feels like an even bigger reason to have something like that and a good sort of concession when yeah. you're talking about the health potential, you know, of your guys and, and injuries being one of the big concerns of it. If you know you can bring everybody back that 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 could really help your team if you haven't even, you know, one more week to worry about. Um, we also had Dustin ask about the status of OJ Howard, which we can take multiple ways. But yeah, let's talk both about his health and about whatever his contract situations are and, and what you think the role on this team would be now, that, especially we know that Gronk is back. Okay, so OJ, um, last time that I think it was Bruce Arians was talking, he said OJ looks great. He's coming along perfectly. He hasn't had no setbacks in his recovery from his injury. And as we remember, that was a week four injury. So, you know, it sucked that he missed most of the season, but on the other side of that coin, he's had a lot longer to uh, rehabilitate. So um, apparently he's coming along fine and Bruce Arians does expect him to be on the field at some point in the offseason program. If of course there is on field work in the offseason program, we still don't know the answer to that. Uh, so that's the good news on that front. I, I don't think there's any doubt that he'll be ready to go for training camp, uh, barring some, some setback. Uh, as for his contract status, the Bucks elected last year to pick up right around this time of the year is when you have to do it. And when we will be doing it shortly with Vita Vea, pick up the fifth year option that every first year or first round player uh, gets on their contract. It's a team option. So it's every first round player gets a four-year contract with a team option for a fifth year, but you have to decide if you're going to pick that team up, that option up before his fourth season. And the Buccaneers said yes with OJ. So they have that. And now um, since the new CBA, that contract is fully guaranteed. And also it goes up quite a bit. You know, and if it was a quarterback, he'd probably be like 17 or 18 million. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I think it's about 8 million for a tight end. So his contract went up a big amount. And so he's getting paid a lot more this year, but it's also guaranteed. And, uh, you know, and I know they've talked a lot about how well they think how, you know, Bruce Arians said the sky's the limit for OJ in this offense. So all things pointing out for OJ Howard. He just needs to have a season when he doesn't have some freaky bad luck with an injury. Right. Absolutely. We'll be hoping for that. Cause man, I, I do want to see him 
fully healthy, fully ready to go that, that in that arsenal and with Tom Brady loving his tight ends, I think that's going to be really fun yeah. to watch. Um, all right. Kyle asked, who's going to be the backup quarterback. And I'm going to add onto this of why don't we not just talk about this year, but uh, just the, the quarterback situation moving forward when you, you know, do you draft somebody? Do you keep the group that you've had? Let's just look at the quarterback position overall. You know, you don't have to take these questions and raise the level of difficulty. difficulty. Yes, that's exactly what I do. That's what I'm here for. Everybody <laughs> else is being too nice to you. I got to make you earn your money, you know? Well, there is no backup quarterback right now. There, there isn't one. So the answer to the question right now is there nobody, but obviously that has to change. Um, probably I, I applied for the position. Jake <laughs> hasn't called me back yet. I'm very frustrated. You know, did you have a drill? Did you show him how you can throw? Yeah. I mean, obviously he just, yeah, he's a little busy right now. He's right. been, he's got some things going on, but I'm convinced he's <laughs> going to recognize my potential. Well, you know, I think I still continue to think that the most likely option is the re-signing of Blaine Gabbert. And um, obviously you needed to get through a lot of other free agency stuff first. Uh, I, that's not a guarantee, but it seems like the best option to me because I think Bruce Arians wants a veteran backup and one that has experienced as a starter in the NFL. And in his case, has experienced starting in this offense back in Arizona. Um, Ryan Griffin also unsigned. He's a guy that knows the system, has been around a long time. And we've talked a few times about the draft and quarterbacks because Bruce Arians and Jason Light have both said, yeah, they would like to draft the quarterback. In fact, they felt that way last year and said they were waiting to see if it worked out right. If, the, if a player and his value and the pick came together, then they would do it. Uh, they didn't end up doing it last year. Tried an undrafted free agent in Reed Senate that didn't work out here, although he is still with the Dolphins. Um, I, I think it's even more likely that they would do that this year uh, a few rounds in uh, Tom Brady's probably going to play the next two seasons. And so it would make sense to take a second, third, fourth round player. If there's one that's a good value there and really has some potential. And I think there are some quarterbacks like this in this class because it's so top heavy with five of them that that means five teams probably in the first round are going to get their quarterbacks. And then there's other teams that aren't going to be interested in quarterbacks. So some guys that could have been a little higher on the board in other years, might last a little bit longer because there's fewer teams that are looking for a quarterback as you go along. So it's, it seems to make a lot of sense to me that somewhere in the middle of the draft, the Bucks will pick up a quarterback and, and probably that will be your third guy behind a veteran. Yeah. And I know that after the show, uh, Scott and I are going to be shooting our road to the draft segment, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit more with that. So if you want more draft specific talk, definitely stay tuned for the next edition of the road to the draft. Cause that's definitely a topic we'll get into. Uh, Shawnesia asked, do you think we trade back with our first pick at 32? Every time you ask Jason light, a question like this, uh, he says, Hey, we can do anything. I'm not saying we're definitely going to trade back. I'm not saying we're definitely going to trade up. Uh, we're really flexible. <clears throat> Um, the one thing to keep in mind when you trade back from 32, that means you're trading out of the first round and whatever player you pick, you then only have a four-year contract. The advantage of that first, you know, the advantage of the 32nd pick <clears throat> over the 33rd pick or the 40th pick is you get a contract where you would have that fifth year option. I don't think that's enough to keep the bucks from trading back if the value is there. And certainly that seems like it could work out well for the Buccaneers. If there's somebody that wants to move up uh, and get that last pick of the first round, because again, the need isn't strong there. And if you get to 32 and you got three edge rushers and three corners and two tackles and a running back and you like all of them um, and you'd be happy with any one of them, then it makes a lot of sense to try to get some more assets and, and end up with one of them seven or eight picks later. Uh, I like this question. Isai asked, how many of the players from this last year's team do you think will eventually make the Bucks ring of honor? Ooh, Ooh that's a good one. I feel like that could be a whole article for you. 
<laughs> yeah, good idea. They're looking for some content. Yep. Uh, Levante David is a lock, obviously. Yep. Mike Evans is an absolute stone cold lock. Yep. Those two for sure. Um, those two could retire right now, and I would be 100% sure they'll be in the ring of honor. Oh, yeah. um, well, there's a lot of possibilities. I mean, if Tom Brady plays three seasons for us and we win two Super Bowls, is, is he in the ring of honor? I mean, I almost feel like he is even just with one Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> you know, like I just, oh. I, it's, it's, I mean, and, and don't tell me that wouldn't be a draw for the game that he's getting inducted to the ring yeah. of honor. But Brad Johnson won one Super Bowl and he's not in the ring of honor. That's true. That's a good point. Those two are the, the, the obvious ones. It's probably a little too early on any of the others to know for sure. Ali Marpet is one that would come to mind. Um, I think Chris Godwin, if Chris he Godwin, yeah. is here long-term, definitely he could be one. Yeah, we'll have to see. Cause right now, you know, he's only playing on a one-year contract. Yeah. So hopefully he's around for a long time. I think you got to just say Levante and Mike are sure things. And after that, we need a few more years to, to have a better idea. I like that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks for being with us and we'll see you next week. Bye.